two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before You. We're thankful for the privilege that we have to study Your Word and to learn from Your Word that we might know Your will for our lives, that we might know Your plan and Your ways. Lord, I pray as we look at Your Word this morning that You would speak to us. Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been for quite some time now. We have been uh, studying the book of Acts in a series entitled Forged in the Fire, Establishing the Early Church. And we have been looking at the foundation of the church. We have, uh, this is, uh, today is our 31st lesson in that series. And the good thing about that is it is also our final lesson in that series. And so next Sunday we will be starting a new series on our worship entitled Our Worship Ecstasy or Intimacy. And uh, we will be talking about our worship next week. But this morning in the conclusion of our series, rather than going to the book of Acts, we were uh, finishing the book of Acts. Technically, we finished the book of Acts last Sunday with chapter 28. But I want us to look in conclusion of our series on the book of Acts at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and, and for our reading this morning, we're going to pick up at verse 10. But we are going to talk about building on the foundation. For the past several weeks, or no, let me rephrase that, for the past several months, back in the last year, we were uh, talking about uh, the book of Acts and the founding of the church and how the church was established. And now this morning I want us to look at how we build upon the foundation that has been laid. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, the Bible says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builded thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." The book of Acts ends rather abruptly, and uh, uh, there are a number of speculations as to uh, why the book of Acts ends so abruptly. 
But one of the reasons that it does is because the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church have not yet been completed. The Holy Ghost continues to work in the church today and uh, continues to um, uh, work and, and do His, His will through the true church. And so, uh, the book of Acts has never yet been fully completed. And so, they, the Bible continues on and, and leaves room. But the Holy Ghost uh, continues uh, to do His work through the church. And uh, so, we are looking at this morning, what do we do in light of the fact that the work of the Holy Ghost through the church has not been completed, that there is still work to do. And uh, uh, how do we build upon the foundation that has been laid? In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, and verse 17, the Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build upon the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. When the church ceases to do the work that God has called us to do, and when we cease to build upon the foundation and the foundation is neglected, rather than becoming the light of the world, we become a reproach. And so, uh, that is why this is so important for us this morning, is that we not be a reproach, uh, but that we um, uh, be the light of the world, and we do not want to be a reproach. The first thing that we note in our text this morning, we are to be building upon the foundation. But did you know the first thing, if we look back at the beginning of chapter 3, the Bible tells us, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal as walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Carnality hinders our building on the foundation. Carnality will keep us from building upon the foundation. Of course, that's a word that we toss around a lot and we've heard a lot and, and uh, uh, we have uh, um, seen in uh, Scripture 
But sometimes we don't always, you know, uh, sometimes we apply carnality to uh, just whatever... uh, Sometimes carnality is just uh, uh, whatever we don't like, you know, or uh, we, we make up our own idea. If somebody's not living up to our code of conduct, then we say they're carnal. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, sometimes we may be just as carnal as they are, but there are some things. One, one of the things that, that uh, is so much a part of carnality is, of course, worldly desire. When we desire to live according to the things of this world, it has infiltrated the church. And uh, uh, a lot of times, our, we have our, our set standards and our set beliefs. And yet, we can live according to those standards and still be carnally minded. I'm reminded of the time, and I've probably shared it with you before, but of the time uh, out at the uh, campground uh, that a young man came up with a a uh, particular haircut. It was cut extremely short, and uh, uh, one of them, one of the preachers, was sitting by Brother Brand, and he said, "Boy, I like that boy's haircut." And Brother Brand said, "I don't." He said, "It's it's." Uh, fashioned after the world. It met our standards. But it, and, and I'll tell you what, you look at a lot of... I, I'm just... I've already got into it. I might as well get myself in trouble. Good. There's not many in here, so, you know, until I post it uh, later, uh, I won't get in too much trouble until I post it. And, uh, but... Uh, We've got a lot of people that claim to be holiness preachers going around with worldly hairstyles. But they meet the standard of length. We've got a lot of people that follow the things of the world. What do we meditate on? What do we think about? The fact of the matter, carnality is a matter of the heart more than it is the outward appearance. Then a second sign of carnality is a lack of nutrition. Paul said here, he said, I had to give you milk and not meat. And he's talking about the Word of God. We need to get into the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We need to understand the Word of God. There is a lack of nutrition that causes carnality. But Paul is very specific in his letter to the Corinthians here. He is is being even more specific about their carnality. Sometimes we talk about carnality in general terms. But there is a more specific meaning that Paul is ascribing. Because... He says, For ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? 
The indication of carnality that Paul is dealing with here is divisions within the body of Christ. Strife within the body of Christ. A lack of unity within the body of Christ. Rivalries about men and rivalries within the body of Christ is a blatant disregard for the foundation of the church. And so we have a, a carnality that keeps us from building on the foundation that has been established. If we pick up in verse 5 of chapter 3, the Bible says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We are brothers building together. I put on here bound brothers building. I don't mean bound as in in slavery or in captivity. But we are bound together in unity and building together. First of all, we are unified because we have a common foundation. We are building on the same foundation. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked His disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Some say Elias or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In the passage that we read in our text this morning, he said, No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We are to be building on Jesus Christ. We are to be building on the same foundation. And when we are working together, we can be unified and work together to build on that foundation. When there becomes division is when we try to build on our own without building on the same foundation. Not only do we have a, a same foundation, but we also are building on a common goal or a common future. We are looking for a common thing. Or at least we should be. We are looking to build the kingdom of Christ. When we have problems, when we have division, is when we start trying to build our own kingdoms. 
But God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when we understand the purpose of the church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, not just professions of faith, but we are to teach men and women about the things that Jesus has instructed us. And when we go into the world and carry the gospel, and that is our goal, is to make disciples of men and make them to be disciples of Jesus Christ. When we have that as a common goal, we can be unified and we can build the church of Christ. And then, we have a common leader. We have a common Father. We are following after Jesus Christ, God's Son. And when we focus on Jesus Christ, we become unified. And we can work together on building the church. Too often, we compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible tells us not to do that. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we're unwise when we do that. We never become unified by comparing ourselves to ourselves or to each other. For an orchestra to be in tune, the orchestra does not each one, one violin tuned to another violin and then a, a trumpet to that violin and then, then eventually you're way off. But there is an established note, tuning fork. If you use a chromatic tuner, it's 440. You tune every instrument to that precise measurement. There is a standard by which we tune. And Jesus Christ is our standard. We do not tune to one another. But if I'm looking to Jesus Christ to tune my life, and Bob Adair is looking to Jesus Christ to tune his life. And Caleb is looking to Jesus Christ. And Brandon's looking to Jesus Christ. Then we find we're in tune with each other because we're in tune with Jesus Christ. And that is what we have to do. Sometimes we think unity is, you know, if we all be just alike and all get together. But you know, in an orchestra, they're not all just alike. And yet there is a unity. Why? One thing is, they are all following a single conductor. They are looking at that conductor. But when you look at that orchestra, you have drums, you have saxophones and trumpets and trombones and clarinets and flutes and piccolos and violins and cellos. And I mean, some of them don't even, they're not even made out of the same material. They look nothing alike. And we can be unified as the body of Christ, even though we each have our own peculiarities. 
And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll be in the brass section and we'll look over at the strings and say, you guys can't be right with God. I mean, you're not, you're not made out of, of even any kind of a metal. You're made out of wood. And you've got, got those strings on you and, and, and that can't be of God. And that's why we don't look to each other to find unity. But when we look to the conductor, an orchestra plays as one note. And beautiful music. I said it comes out as one. It's not even one note. Matter of fact, you've got some people that are playing the lead part. You've got some that are playing the tenor part and the alto part and the baritone and the bass. And, and, and sometimes they throw some extra parts in there. And yet, when it is played, when you listen to it, there is perfect harmony and unity. And so it is to be with the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Carnality will keep us from building the church. But when we are unified, we can build upon the foundation. Then let's look this morning when the building inspector comes along and writes his report. The Bible says that we will be tried, our works will be tried is by fire. The first thing that we find is he's going to look and see what the foundation was. Did we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ or not? The foundation is so important. In the day that we live, the church world has left its foundation. Many even Pentecostal, even, even many professing holiness churches have forgot the foundation. There's only one set of blueprints. And any time we get carried away trying to build aside from the Word of God, we're going to go astray. The foundation is the first part of the building that is put in place. 
It is the priority. It must take first place. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He must be first and foremost. I have been in, and I'm sure you have been too, in church services where you went an entire church service and the word Jesus Christ, the words Jesus Christ were not used in the entire service. And good people. But sometimes we get sidetracked and forget the purpose. And we forget the foundation. We should never, not only never go through it, there should never be a, a, a day in our life that Jesus Christ is not on our minds and on our lips. He takes the preeminence. Second thing about the foundation. The foundation is the support for the rest of the building. Without a proper foundation, the building will collapse. Without Jesus Christ, if we don't keep the building on that foundation of Jesus Christ, the church will collapse. We bought the house next door to us and was going to fix it up. And there were big cracks in the basement wall. And we ended up having to tear it down because it was going to be cheaper to do that than it was to, be, to fix it. It wasn't going to be worth but I remember when we first walked through it in the bathroom, the, the commode was setting at an angle like that. Not because the floor under it was crooked, though that was true. But it was because the foundation. And something was going to have to be done to repair that foundation. It was important. And so it is. If we don't have a right foundation, the building will eventually collapse. It may not happen overnight. It may not happen immediately. Sometimes it can last for a while. The foundation not only determines and support or, or is a first priority, not only is it that which supports the building, but did you know the foundation determines the shape of the building? What the church looks like is determined by the foundation, Jesus Christ. And so many times we want to come up with, we want to look at the way the world is doing things and we want to look at, at, at the situation and, and, and the way that things are going in, in, in our day and age and, and, and we think, well, the Bible's outdated or, or, well, they didn't have some of the methods that we have today and, and, and so we need to go off in another direction. And, but the foundation determines the shape of the building.
And too often, we decide, well, let's put this addition on. But the foundation doesn't extend out there. And some of our additions collapse because they're not built on the foundation. The foundation is indispensable to the existence of the building. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built a house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Sometimes we try to build where the foundation is not. We try to do things that we shouldn't and get by with them. But Jesus said here in this passage, Whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them not, is like the man that built without a foundation. Sometimes it's not the things we do. It's the things we don't do. It's when we don't obey the commands of Christ. And sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, you know, I'm obeying the commands of the Christ. I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't. But what about the things He told us to do? Are we doing those things? If we're not, we're building on a faulty foundation. Verses 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians 3. Say, Know ye not? that ye are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. The Bible talks about, first of all, our building materials. And says that our works will be tried by fire. It's not just the things that we do. But it's our motives that will be tried. And a lot of times we can do right things with wrong motives. But I want us to move on and... and um, 
Because in the two verses that I just read, the Bible says, if any man defile the temple of God, in the inspection, is the temple of God clean or has it been defiled? I want us to particularly notice the Bible says, Ye are the temple of God. Elsewhere in Scripture, the Bible says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of God. But here, he says, Ye are the temple of God. In the other passage, it says, You, singular, your body is the temple of God. But in this passage, Paul says, Ye, plural, are the temple of God. The church, the body of Christ, is the temple of God. And if any man defile the temple, He's not talking about defiling my personal body. He is talking about defiling the body of Christ. If I do something to defile the church, I will be destroyed. What does the word defile mean? It means to corrupt or to dilute. Did you know there are a lot of ways that we can bring corruption into the body of Christ? There are a number of things that we can do. We can bring immorality into the church as, as we find in the book of 1 Corinthians here they were having to deal with. There is false doctrine that comes into the church and dilutes the doctrine. It doesn't have to be necessarily that, that it's a totally false doctrine. We just water it down and make it more palatable. We can allow pride and, 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 and other things to come in to defile the church. But in this particular instance, Paul is talking about unity and division and working together. And Paul says, if any man brings division within the church, if any man brings disunity in the church, him will God destroy. Again, I'm not saying we all have to agree on everything. I already, I already talked about that when we was talking about unity. We don't all have to look just alike. We don't all have to behave just alike in everything. God allows for our individual personalities. But it's when we look to Jesus Christ that we get in tune with one another. But when we start trying to do our own things, and we're not looking to Jesus Christ, and we start trying to, and it brings division, it brings carnality into the church. And that individual, God, will destroy.
in the Old Testament, there is a passage. Actually, the, it is in the Old Testament more than one time that says, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. And a lot of times that scripture is used. Don't, don't dare talk about the man of God. Don't, don't be critical of the preacher. And the ones that use it the most that way are the ones that have a fault in their life and so they want to say, hey, don't criticize me because the Bible says... Touch not mine anointed. But if you look at those passages of Scripture, it's talking about the nation of Israel. And as it fits into New Testament era, era, it is talking about the church, the body of Christ. Do not harm the church. Now, when, when the pastor is, is, and, and, or a preacher or, or whatever, professing man of God or, or a man of God, when he is a part of the church and walking in unity with the body of Christ, that Scripture applies to him. But anybody, whether it be a preacher or it be somebody else, anybody who is bringing a division within the church is walking contrary to that passage of Scripture. It is, it is to be applied to the body of Christ. The, the, the prophet, because we are all supposed to be priests and kings and, and, and prophets. We're all supposed to be ministers of the gospel. We are all to be men and women of God. We may have different positions, but each member is a member of the body of Christ. And when we bring division to the body of Christ, we are in serious, serious trouble. Who flew the kite? I did, said the sticks. I did, said the paper. I did, said the boy. No, I did, said the wind. But they all flew the kite together. If the sticks had broken, the tail had caught in a tree, the paper torn, or the wind was lulled, the kite would have come down. Each had a part to play. And the application is inescapable. We each have a work to do. We don't all have the same job. We don't all have the same positions. We don't all do things the same way. We don't all look alike. We don't always... We're going to talk about worship in our next series. We don't all worship alike. But we all are working together to promote the kingdom of Jesus Christ and build the church of Jesus Christ upon a solid foundation. 
Daniel Webster said, If we work on marble, it will perish. If on brass, time will efface it. If we rear up temples, they will crumble into dust. But if we work on immortal minds and imbue them with principles, with the just fear of God and the love for our fellow man, we will engrave on those tablets something that will brighten to all eternity. Jesus said it this way, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It is there that we find direction for our life. It is there that we find guidance. It is there that we find truth. God, I pray that the convicting power of the Holy Ghost would just burn Your Word into our hearts this morning that we might have a greater desire to build on the foundation Jesus Christ with good building materials, gold, silver, precious stones. Lord, that Jesus Christ might be lifted up for the world to see and that all men would be drawn unto Him. It's in His name we pray. Amen. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.